So I'm standing there on the side of the road, texting my daughter who was 12 at the time to tell her that we would be late in a car that we later found out the driver had meth and alcohol in his system. Oh. It's five, 5.30 on a Sunday. It, it's, it's well lit. Hazard lights are on, right? But he did not see us. He did not break. And he just crashed right into the back of Hugo's car and trapped him in between his car and my car. And so it felt like this perfect future and amazing life that I had was just like ripped. Welcome to the Be It Till You See It podcast, where we talk about taking messy action, knowing that perfect is boring. I'm Leslie Logan, Pilates instructor and fitness business coach. I've trained thousands of people around the world, and the number one thing I see stopping people from achieving anything is self-doubt. My friends, action brings clarity, and it's the antidote to fear. Each week, my guests will bring bold, executable, intrinsic, and targeted steps that you can use to put yourself first and be it till you see it. It's a practice, not a perfect. Let's get started. All right, be it babes. Okay, so I have been really thinking about different types of guests I wanted to bring on this show to talk about different topics. We talk a lot about your goals and your health and all about like helping you like be it till you see it. And then there are moments in our life that are unplanned. And um, some of those moments that are unplanned are not just like, oh, you know, my internet went down today and I couldn't do the work I wanted to do. Or uh, my my kid got sick and I couldn't do the work I wanted to do. Some of those things actually involve loss and grief. And um, as a recovering perfectionist overachiever, I can see perfectionist overachievers struggling with going towards their goals and and working with grief. And so when I found today's guest, her name is Krista St. Germain, I was so excited, which is a weird way to feel about this topic. But I was so excited to bring her onto the podcast because um, she's the only person that can talk to you about grief and the way that she does. I really can't wait for you to listen to this episode because those of you who are in some acute kind of grief right now, I really hope this validates you and gives you a lot of permission. Those of you who are around people who are grieving right now, I hope that this helps you see things from a different perspective. We also talked about what you could say. Um, she also mentioned um, after we were done, uh, that she has a quiz on her website that if you are going through grief and you're unsure which episodes to listen to on our podcast, you can take a quiz and it will tell you. So our team will have all of those links below. I hope this is an episode that you save, that you keep, um, that you can share the link uh, to other people who are uh, working with this and also her podcast specifically, um, because we have a lot of work to do around this topic, I believe, in our world we too often think, okay, just give them a couple of weeks and then they'll be fine. And, and, you know, the people that they lost are in a better place and all these things. And it's like, uh, we can do better. We can do better and not in a perfectionist way, but just in an honest human way. And a lot of the things she talks about are really important in all areas of your life. And, and you know, how we do one thing is how we do everything. And so um, whether or not you're going through any part of a grief process right now, um, I hope you do listen to this because I hope you hear those things that we keep saying when it comes to other parts of your life that will help you here. Because if you can actually practice those when you're not in a grieving place, I think you're going to have a better muscle for it. So anyways, 
I'm just going to let Krista take it away because she is just wonderful. And here is Krista St. Germain. loves it's here opc summer camp you know that thing we started last year well we're doing it again this year and we're making it bigger and better than ever because we have teachers from all over the world which means all day long you can nerd out with me at camp zoom from the comfort of your own home in your favorite pilates workout outfit without having to get bugs or dirt or weird camp food that's like some weird slot no you can have the amazing food in your own home you can be whatever clothes you want to be in and you can join us all day long for whatever workouts and workshops you sign up for in fact you can even do a whole day pass and save the most money in fact, up to 56% off if you buy the day pass. So go to opc.me slash events to see the full schedule and lineup of events. If you only have access to a mat, we've got plenty of stuff for you. We've got Reformer. We've got some happy hip Reformer with you. We've got so many amazing things. You can go to opc.me slash events to see the whole schedule, all 14 teachers, and all the goodness that's going to happen at Camp Zoom. And I'm your camp director. Woo! All right, be it babes. I have uh, a guest I've been really excited to bring on, um, not because the topic is very exciting, but because it's actually like something that we can all guarantee we're going to have to go through that we'll go through and we have to learn, we need to learn how to work with it um, so that we can continue to be the amazing people we are in this world. Krista St. Germain, can you tell everyone who you are and what you're up to these days? Absolutely. And I'm always excited when somebody is willing to talk about grief because it's never an exciting topic, but it is so valuable. So yeah, I'm Krista St. Germain. I am a master certified coach. I'm a widow. I'm a mom. I host a podcast called the widowed mom podcast. And when I was 40, um, my husband died. I didn't come by this work because it was something I really wanted to do. I just kind of got hurled into it, but, um, it was my second marriage. Uh, first one kind of went down in flames Second one was like the redemption story, right? Proof that, you know, you can be treated like you want to be treated and, and happiness is possible. And so I felt like I was really on a big high at that point in my life. And my husband and I had gone on a trip. We'd driven separately, wasn't too far away from where we lived and we were almost home and I had a flat tire. Pulled over on the side of the interstate. He pulled up behind me. And even though we had AAA, but he was like that stubborn I'll just do it. We can get home faster, you know? And so I just, I let him, but cars were like whizzing by. So I'm standing there on the side of the road, texting my daughter who was 12 at the time to tell her that we would be late in a car that we later found out the driver had meth and alcohol in his system. Oh. It's five, five 30 on a Sunday. It, it's, it's well lit hazard lights are on, right? But he did not see us. He did not break. And he just crashed right into the back of Hugo's car and trapped him in between his car and my car. And so it felt like this perfect future and amazing life that I had was just like ripped. Oh my God. Under me. Yeah. 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 And what I found really quickly was that I didn't know anything about grief. Right. And what I did know wasn't actually that helpful. It was kind of inaccurate. And so when I got myself back to a place where I was like functioning again, uh, yeah, I kind of ran out of resources. I mean, therapy was great in the beginning, but you, you kind of reach a point where you're back to functioning and people are telling you, oh, you're so strong and you, you're doing so great. And you're like, mm, I don't really think this is what great feels like. Like, this is not what I want. Right. Yeah. Um, so fast forward, long story, right? I did a bunch of my own research. I, I found cognitive coaching tools. I learned about post-traumatic growth. I learned how to support my nervous system. I just did a whole bunch of work. And when I kind of got to a place where I was feeling good, I decided, all right, I don't want people to go through what I went through and not be able to find what they need because we live in a culture that is just so grief illiterate. So that's why, what I do, what I do. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I can, I cannot not imagine losing your loved one 
actually in the same place that you are and having no ability to help that. So I'm so sorry you went through that, but also like, um, I agree. Like when we lose someone, everyone's like, Oh, time, time is really mm-hmm. good. And <laughs> time. And it's like, is it? <laughs> um, and so how, um, how interesting, I mean, like, I imagine this took a lot of time to go through all those trainings. Mm-hmm. Was it, was, did, were you going back to school? Were you like reading books? What kind I of prompted so this? many grief books. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just started looking for resources, right? That for me early in grief, you know, a lot of us have this kind of grief fog experience Mm. where your grief affects your whole body. So your hormones are out of whack. You're not sleeping well, your processing ability is just so limited. Right. And so it was really frustrating to me as some, someone who has always read self-help always, I couldn't read and retain anything. Like I would just read it and it would just not stay in my brain. So it took me a while for that to subside enough where I actually could start reading and learning. But yeah, yeah, I just started reading about grief and reading different grief theories. The only grief theory I had heard about was the five stages. I didn't know there were other grief theories, right? Didn't have a clue. No, I've only heard the five stages and and I can't repeat them. So I think there's Mm -hmm. anger in there. Somewhere I think we deny and then some, yeah, we're angry yeah. and some, yeah, we bargain. Yeah. yeah. And and that's, that's, that's been my experience is that most people are exactly where I was, which is, that is the only grief theory they ever heard. And unfortunately, you know, even that work has just been really misused and misunderstood. And, um, and so we walk around trying to, you know, put square pegs in round holes and compare ourselves to what we think grief is supposed to be like when it's actually not what it usually is like. And um, yeah. So, yeah. It's, and also like, awesome. and also you are a mom who, yeah. you know, so like there's like handling the grief and also your child is also grieving because, and right. uh, you also were not the same mother anymore. So I'm sure that that's another compounding layer. Um, mm-hmm. I want to know, like, how, how was, how are you able to start to first of all, integrate into your life and then take on the role of like teaching this to others, because that Mm -hmm. is a whole, I mean, I know that once we like learn things, you can learn it more if you teach it, but like, how Mm -hmm. did you come around saying, I'm going to share this with others? Because it means Mm -hmm. like telling your story over and over again Mm -hmm. and, and then being there for others. Yeah. It actually took me a while. Um, I kind of went through, I, I realized pretty quickly after he died that what I was doing for a living was not fit, like feeding my soul. Like it was making me a good living and, um, but, but it wasn't, uh, wasn't something I felt passionate about. And so I had kind of already decided that I wanted to do something else. And I, I didn't exactly know what that would be, but, uh, my therapist was, she was like, you, you should become a therapist. You can come and you can work for me. And when I retire, you can buy my practice and I will help you get into MFT school and all the things, right? She had like it totally planned out. So <laughs> she's like, I got your, I got it for you. Like, look at this. <laughs> yeah, you you should just be a therapist. And you know how, I mean, I'm sure you're the same way where people who end up in these kinds of professions, we naturally are people that other people come to anyway. Yeah. Right. So it made sense to me. So I actually enrolled in a marriage and family therapy program. And simultaneously, I decided to enroll in a life coaching program. And what the conclusion that I came to eventually was, I don't want to be a therapist. Coaching feels scarier to me and it's much less known to me, right? And I don't see the path and people are probably going to think I'm crazy, but it's what's actually helping me 
Mm. And so I'm not going to be at that. So I didn't, I, I enrolled, I was ready. I was waiting. It almost started. And then I, I pulled the plug on that and I decided to become a coach. But at that point in time, I still was not planning to do grief work because I just hadn't done enough of my own. I imagined I would be sad all the time. I imagined it would, you know, be just too much, too heavy. But as I went through more of my own work and then certification and then all of the practicum and, and more coaching at a certain point, I went, you know, it just really doesn't make any sense to do anything else. Like this is where I'm uniquely qualified yeah. to help someone. And so get over yeah. it. Like we're yeah, going to be okay. I, so, yeah. I, that's such a, like, that's such a, um, I love that you're like, it was the scariest thing. <laughs> you're like, I'm going to oh do my that gosh. because we always talk about like, you know, um, on this podcast, we're always like, you know, if like fear, like the action is the antidote to fear. And like, really the things that scare us are really the place that's like kind of the flashlight of like yeah. where we're supposed to be, where yeah. the work is that we've got to do. It's like that thing over there that you're like, Ooh, close the door. I don't want to see that. <laughs> yeah. And listen, I live in Kansas. Okay. So, so we're not super progressive around here in terms of, you know, life coaching, what, what even is that? And also I was in an engineering job. I mean, I was in a job surrounded by, I was a project manager for it, for in an engineering department. So everyone in my orbit was logical. Right. Mm -hmm. And my, and by the way, my, my late husband was an engineer who worked at that same company and I could hear his voice, which was logical, which was don't do it. Don't walk away from this money. You know, that's too big of a risk. Like that's not a smart idea. So yeah, there was nobody understood mm -hmm. what I wanted to do or why I wanted to do it. It didn't make sense to anyone. Nobody really honestly could imagine me being successful doing yeah. that because they just didn't know what it was. So there was a ton of fear. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, it's a lot when like our family, um, and, or people like in, in our life who cannot see it the way we are seeing it. Mm -hmm. And, and it's not that we need to see, the, I don't know that I needed anyone in my family to see what I was doing is like, yeah, go get it. I just need them to like, not tell me what they're afraid of. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm you need sure? your fears too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to be really careful with who you surround yourself with. I think. Well, and, and is that the same when in the grief process? I mean, I know, I know some of the listeners right now, um, just, just because of our coaching program, I know some of them are in, in, in grief, like recent, yeah. uh, uh, loss of family members, um, is, is even who you surround yourself with, uh, a thing you should consider when you're going through a grief process. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's still probably your people you're going to be interacting with that maybe aren't as supportive as you'd like them to be. So I, I think we need to kind of figure out how do we still work with those people and, and maintain them in our lives, assuming that we want them, but also grief can be really, really isolating. And because it's something our culture doesn't talk about a lot. And because mm -hmm. we just kind of, I think all walk around with this assumption that feelings are problems and like, we should deal with them on our own. And, you know, we have a lot of misinformation about grief and time healing and all that stuff. Right. So, so that it just tends to make us want to isolate more and more and more. So even if you don't have anybody in your immediate environment who can relate, I guarantee you, you can find somebody on the internet, right? You can find someone who's gone through something that's similar to what you've gone through so that at least you don't feel like you're the only one. At least you have some place you can go to, to talk or maybe just express what has happened without feeling the need to explain yourself. Mm -hmm. I, I love technology for that reason, right? There's grief groups for everything. And you just want to be careful that, you know, at a certain point, something like that can be exactly what you need. And then sometimes it can turn into something that holds you back and you kind of have to know where that line is for you. 
Yeah. I th- I'm sure that like, it's different for everybody. Do you think that there's like any signs that like, maybe you might be leaning onto that as a crutch too much? Is like, are there any things to pay attention to? I think what it is for most of the people that I see, it's not so much that they are leaning onto it. It's that they start to realize that it's no longer serving them mm. in the be- in. And I hate to make rules about this, yeah. you know, gen- over generalizations I don't like, but for many of us in the early days, it's just so good to be able to talk about what happened and express it without feeling like we're dumping it on someone. Mm -hmm. Right. And so people who understand, we we can just tell the story and make peace with the story and there it is. And, and they can, can be there in that way. But then at a certain point, most of us reach a place where we're kind of tired of telling the story. Yeah. Right. Telling the story becomes limiting. Yeah. And so then that's at the point where a group, if really it's just a bunch of telling the story might start to not be in service to what we, where we want to go next. Cause maybe now we want to start focusing on telling a different story, right? Maybe we want to start focus on creating the next story, the next chapter. Um, yeah. You know, not every group is ready for that. Yeah. You know, actually, as you were saying that there's like kind of, um, I think that happens in different areas of life, not just in grief, but like when people know you as a certain person and as a certain job and you're like, you've moved on. They're like, like maybe you were vegan and they're like, Oh, you're the vegan. And night you're not, mm-hmm. you're a vegetarian yeah. now or something like that. And it's like, you kind of, I know that I'm like making a very general, like does it from the food and grief. But I think in, in, in life, we can end up with people who hold us back and try to keep us yeah. at a, an old story that we're trying to move on from. And so anytime that's happening, it's a good time to go. Hmm is this, is this situation serving me? And like, where, where is the group of people that I can be, I can tell the new story with? Yeah. 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 It's it's great when you can go somewhere and go, Oh, I'm not crazy. It's not me. This is grief. This is normal. Other people are experiencing this too. And then when it becomes, Oh my God, is this all there is? Like, are we going to be depressed for the rest of our lives? Are we going to be crying every day? Cause a lot of these people are still, that's where they are. That's what happened to me. Right. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, I, I'm not going to be one of those, you know, stories where 10 years later, I'm still just pining my, my time and waiting, you know, to die so that we can be together. Like I'm not, that's not going to be my life. Yeah. So what happens? So, okay. Um, what is a, since we have, we all know what the five are, but we don't really know the order anymore. And people just know that it exists and we'll look at it when it's time for us to go through it. But like, what, what have you, what have you found? Like if someone's going through some grief right now, aside from finding a group, what is some, something that they can, um, do for themselves to, to keep moving forward? Yeah. Um, and just, just a note on what you just said too, cause I think it's important. Like you don't ever have to pay attention to the five stages of grief. <laughs> Honestly, that that work was initially about hospice patients. It was about people who were coming to terms with their own mortality, not people who were grieving the loss of someone else. And then that work was applied to grief and grieving, but it was originally about death and dying. So, so it went from being an anecdotal, useful conversation starter in a time where nobody was talking about death right at that time Mm -hmm. to being something that people have tried to force themselves to fit into. So, so I just want to say like, you know, you You, don't ever have to learn that. You guys can skip ahead on that chapter. Skip ahead. (laughs) 
like all the feelings are okay. There is no end to grief, right? Grief is the natural human response to a perceived loss. We don't get over it. We don't get to the end of it, right? We, we adjust to it. We incorporate it into our lives. We integrate, right? That's the idea. Mm. Um, but I could go, I could go on a soapbox there. So like, what do you do in, in the, in the beginning? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you let yourself be a hot mess and <laughs> honestly, um, just have so much compassion, right? Because it really is a full body experience. There really is no part of, if, if the loss was significant to you, there really is no part of your life that probably isn't being touched. And it's, it's okay if things feel completely off, right? Your hormones will be off. You might not be sleeping well. You might be totally numb. You might be foggy brained. Um, your heart might actually hurt, right? Broken heart syndrome is a, is a real symptom that people have of grief where their heart actually aches. And so none of that is reflective of anything that you have done wrong. It doesn't mean anything about the future for you, right? It's just grief impacts people differently. And so the more compassion we can have for ourselves in that experience, and the more we can kind of focus on the basics of self-care, like basics, right? Can we, did we eat today? Like there were days where I could eat nothing more than a smoothie and I only ate it if my family brought it to me, right? did I shower recently? Like some of those basic things are to be celebrated. It is it really, truly get back to basics. How much water can I drink some water? Can I get more rest? Um, and, and I know that's not easy to do, especially when you have kids or you have a job or you have, you know, things that you feel like are demanding and pulling on your time. Um, also too, as much as I don't like that, the idea of time heals, I used to, I used to be vehemently against it. And every time someone said it to me, I'd be like, no time sits there. Time does nothing. Right. But, but what I have learned is that it really is a lot more nuanced than that, than that. We don't want to depend only on time healing, because if we think that time is what heals, then sometimes what we do is we swing way over in the opposite direction. And we just kind of grip tightly to the steering wheel, right? And like hold on for dear life and wait for time to pass. And we don't acknowledge how we're actually feeling. And we don't right. let ourselves think about the loss. And then for women, for women in particular, it seems to be, we have this idea of, you know, the one year mark, somehow miracles will happen. Like the clouds will part and the angels will sing. And all of a sudden we won't be in grief anymore. And if you've gripped your way through the whole first year, then usually it's so disappointing to get mm -hmm. past that first year and realize, oh, actually, I, just because I got through those first milestones doesn't mean I still don't have some feelings to, you know, be with and some thoughts to look at. But also, time does need to pass in terms of what our brain is doing as we're grieving, right? And if it was a significant relationship, especially a partnered one, we we have to understand that our brain is like a prediction machine. Right. So it's, it's constantly like when you think about your husband, you, you know, when you're going to see him next, you kind of know where he is, right? If you were to wake up in the middle of the night, assuming you sleep in the same bed and you reach over and he's not there, that would be weird because yeah. your brain has had him there so many times that it expects him to be there. Yeah. And so when he, when your brain expects and that, and reality doesn't match the expectation that's when we have the longing or the yearning or the, that, that weirdness of like, I know they died, but also it feels like they should be here. You know, I know they died, but also the garage door just went up and I thought that it would be them. And you kind of feel like you're a little crazy. Yeah. 
So the brain has to have enough exposures to their absence to stop predicting that they will be there. And that part, that part does take time. Yeah. Right. Time does have to pass. It is interesting. It's a combination of like, you have to be taking care of yourself and time has to pass. Right. (laughs) So that, and I, I, you said it earlier and I don't want to, you said it so eloquently, but like, like we don't get over grief. I think Mm -hmm. people are expecting like it's somehow someday I'm just over it. It's just going to happen. It's just going to be gone. And I just don't, um, I think that's a terrible expectation to put on ourselves, Mm -hmm. but we use language like grief journey, you know, and, and, and of course, when you think there are stages to, to something, don't you think that then there's an end resolution? Yeah, of course. So of course we think it's going to be over, but we can't go back and undo the loss, which means we're always going to have thoughts and feelings about it. So really what we want to do is move from kind of unintentional thoughts and feelings to integrating it into our lives intentionally so that we're thinking about that loss in a way that doesn't hold us back from the life that we want, but we might still always choose to be sad about it. Like we don't have to be grateful that it happened, but we want to go from unintentional to intentional. Yeah. I think, um, I think all of that just makes me feel like you just take the pressure off. And I feel like the perfectionists and overachievers, what's hard is that they want to be able to handle grief some perfect way. There must be a way I must do this. Mm -hmm. And then also I should be able to show up for my job and for my family and keep everything going (laughs) while grieving. And I, I imagine that there is a a space where it is possible to show up for life and move the needle forward at some point, but not, not in the beginning. I mean, yeah, it's different for everyone. Some people I, I am blown away by how they can just like go straight back to work and kind of jump right back in. So I don't ever want to put rules around it, but yeah, Mm -hmm. it's going to take what it takes for you and judging yourself doesn't make it take less time. It doesn't make it any easier, right? Compassion and kindness and self-care are really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Y'all keep hearing about that self-care stuff. We keep talking about it around here. <laughs> just so you know, <laughs> it's almost like it's important. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Krista, as you've been doing this for, I don't know how long you've been doing this now, what are you, what are you hoping to do next? Like, where are you hoping you take, mm. um, your message and your mission? If I could just wave a magic wand then as soon as someone's spouse died or partner died, they would just be given the widowed mom podcast. They would like be given the resources that I have. So I realize, you know, there's 11 million widows. <laughs> so that's probably a, a big stretch, but honestly, that's what I would like is to be able to reach people earlier in more acute mm-hmm. grief um, so that they have an easier time and so that they suffer less. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, that's why, that's why I love coming on podcasts like this and talking yeah. about it. Oh, it's because now yeah, every somebody's going to us... know. Yeah. Somebody's going to be like, oh, I know someone who just, you know, had that experience or somebody's going to take something from today. And then later it's something they're going to go through grief and then they're going to be more prepared for it. Yeah. So, okay. On the other side, uh, the, not the other side of grief, but the other purse people around someone going in grief are the people mm. who maybe are not like that, that loss of that person is terrible for them, but it's not their partner. It's not their mom. Mm-hmm. It's not their, yeah. but so they, but they love their best friend or they love who their coworker and wow, we don't know what to say to these people. Yeah. <laughs> like we have no idea. Like I'll see someone post their dog died and I'm like, I 
like <sighs> tear face? Like what do I say right now? I don't think it's the party emoji. I don't think that. <laughs> yeah. That's not the like, one. You know, and so like you see, like sometimes I see people write something. I'm like, I guess that's nice too. But like what? I mean, obviously everyone is different, but is there like some things we should avoid or some things mm-hmm. we can consider or like, like maybe like say that's like opens the door. Cause I feel like, you know, I remember as a kid, I heard people say, oh, bring someone who lost somebody toilet paper Ooh. because they need, oh, <laughs> they need essentials. Like bring, don't bring them food. Everyone's bringing them food, bring them paper towels. Uh huh. I'm like, really? I'm going to show up at the house with like, Six rolls hey, of toilet paper. Did it for me. <laughs> I had somebody, uh, bless her. She just went and bought all my kids' school supplies because mm. it was the first of August and school was about to start, and our kids went to the same school, and she just handled it. Oh, and she didn't even ask. She just showed up with school supplies. So yeah, I I think. I think it, first of all, we just need to cut ourselves a break. (laughs) We're not going to say exactly the quote unquote right thing. We probably will stick our foots in our mouths. Sometimes, you know, we will say something this round. And then I look back at all the cringy things that I said before I had had my own grief experience. And I'm like, Oh God, why did I say those things? But you know, we're doing the best we can. We just need to be the kind to ourselves about it. I think the things that, that most people usually end up not receiving well when they are in grief are the things that are indicative of the other person's discomfort with emotion. Mm. So, you know, when somebody's, again, we're all socialized to kind of think that feelings are problems and we don't really have the capacity to allow negative emotions. So of course it makes sense that then when we're around someone else who has a lot of quote unquote negative emotion, I don't even believe, you know, air quotes, right. Um, then of course we want them to feel better because we don't know how to feel. We don't know how to feel good unless they feel better. Mm -hmm. And that's the root of a lot of the minimizing things that we say, Oh, they're in a better place. Oh, at least they're no longer suffering. Oh, I know. I heard you're young. You'll find someone else, right? Just focus on your blessings. Just be grateful for what you had. It's those kinds of things that people say, not because they don't love you and they don't care, but because they don't know how to deal with your negative emotion. They think it's a problem and they're trying to make it go away from the best place. So to me, it's like, this sucks. And I love you. I am so sorry. This sucks. Right. We we don't even try to make it better with words because words don't make it better. We just like let someone feel how they feel and, and, and witness it. That's what people want is to be seen. Yeah. 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 I, um, it's, and that's in all things, isn't it? Like I have a, yeah. I have a girlfriend who she's about to go back to work by the time this is out, she's been back at work after mm-hmm. having a, a baby and mm-hmm. she got to be home for almost six months with him and all this stuff. And, and I checked and I said, Hey, how is like the first day with the nanny? And she's like, this is so hard. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm so sorry that this sucks. Sucks. Yeah. And somebody it, else in her life is probably like, don't be sad. It's okay. Yeah. Like, you're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was just like. I mean, it's, she's allowed for it to be hard. It's a, it's yeah. fine. And I think that like, um, I thank you for highlighting that. And thank you for, um, uh, sharing, like, you know, it, we are going to put our front in mouth. We are going to say the wrong thing because of wherever we are in our life when it's going on. Like, I think we all need to cut ourselves some slack, but I do love that you shared that story about someone just buying school supplies. I think like, you know, we can just be thoughtful about Mm -hmm. something like it can be, Oh, they have school supplies. It could be, if they have a dog, get the dog food, hire a dog walker, like just for a day, like, just think about like what, 
what could be helpful and then just do it. If it, if it gets, the door gets shut in the dog walker's face, like, oh, well, that sucked $25 yeah. at the door, but probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they'll be like, oh, that's so nice. Yeah. I mean, I'll guys let someone walk my dog. <laughs> yeah. I mean, acts of service and in, you know, it's easy to say, let me know if I can help. Let me know if there's something I can do. But when your whole world just feels like it exploded, you honestly, you, you don't know what you need. It's yeah. very difficult to articulate it sometimes because it's like you're just grappling with this weird nightmare that you're living, you know? So yeah, it's totally okay to make an offer and maybe it'll land and maybe it won't, but yeah. you know, sometimes better to not ask what they need. They might not know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. This is so helpful. Um, there is, uh, there's like, I can't, I can't think of the name right now and I don't want to say the wrong one, but I'll put it in the show notes if I remember it, but it was a company that I heard where, um, she creates these boxes and mm. they're like, they're there when something goes wrong in someone's life and you can just send this box and it's oh. got like bath bubbles and it's got like, um, a checklist of like, did you drink three glasses of water? And she put it together uh -huh. because her brother had uh, died by suicide and oh. she had to go through this whole thing. And she was like, well, what about other people who are going through this? How can we help them? And so um, she's got these different boxes and you can go on when someone is going through something and you can go, oh, like they even have them for kids who are going to college. Like that's its own transition. So it's oh, like, I here's like to find a out timer. Yeah. I want to say it's a Brody box or Brogley box. Um, we'll put it out, we'll put it in the show notes and I'll send it to you because right. it'd be so cool. By, by the way, just for you, there should be, there could be a kit for you. Yeah. For, for people going through grief and you could be your podcast can be in there. Um, I'm just <laughs> coming up with ideas to help people because I love what you're saying. And I did not, you know, my parents listen to this. So guys, I love you, but it's not like I grew up in none of them. None of us did grew up in a life and a household where like when grief happened, you just like, you talked about it. No, it was like the yeah. funeral happened. It was super fast. Everyone like brought all this food and then everyone cleaned up and everyone went home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we's not there anymore. And we don't really like, especially in the States, we do not really handle it well. Um, which yeah. is why y'all I'm working on trying to find a death doula to come in here because I think that that work is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, and how they're, um, how, when people know someone's passing, how they're able to allow for people to visit and be with the body before yes, it goes away. So anyways, yeah. all this stuff is very fascinating. Um, Krista, your work is so wonderful. We're going to take a brief break and find out where people can find you, follow you, listen to your podcast. All right, loves, it's super important to me that supplements I take are of the highest quality. And that's why for three years, I've been drinking AG1. Unlike many supplement brands, AG1 is constantly searching for how to do things better. At 52 iterations of their formula and counting, their team is always trying to find better ways to source, test, and aim to find the best quality ingredients available. I love this so much, guys, because so many people think I have to get it right the first time, and they have done 52 different iterations. I freaking love that. So many people have asked me if AG1 is actually the real deal. I really do drink it, and trust me, there's a reason why I've been drinking it for so long. Quality for AG1 isn't just a buzzword. It's a commitment backed by expert-led scientific research, high-quality ingredients, industry-leading manufacturing, and rigorous testing. At each step of the process, AG1 goes above and beyond industry standards. I know I can trust what's in every scoop of AG1 because it's tested for 950 contaminants and banned substances while the industry standard typically only tests for 10. Holy moly. I know that like I'm a recovering overachiever over here, but I'm super glad AG1 isn't. 
Okay, so taking care of my health shouldn't be complicated and AG1 simplifies this by replacing multiple health supplements like multivitamins, digestive aids, immune support, and more in just one simple scoop. It's literally just one scoop. It's one scoop in one bottle of water. It's amazing. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop also includes prebiotics, probiotics, and digestive enzymes for gut support. Y'all know I've had gut stuff, so that's why I've been doing it for so long. I've partnered with AG1 for so long because they make such a high quality product that I genuinely look forward to drinking every day. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash be it. That's drinkag1.com slash B-E-I-T. Check it out. All right. Where do you like to hang out? Where can people get to work with you, connect with you, listen to your pod? Yeah. The widowed mom podcast, probably the best place. You know, if you, if you want to learn more about grief, if post-traumatic growth is interesting to you, even if you're not a widowed mom, for sure, take a listen. Also send other people my way. It reminded me too, earlier, you were asking about what we say. I did record an episode called for those who love us which is a great one to listen to. If somebody wants to learn more about how to support someone that's going through grief, that's a good episode. And then everything else can be found at coachingwithkrista.com, K-R-I-S-T-A. All my social contacts and everything are there. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay. Before I let you go, you've given us some excellent stuff though. Um, However, bold, executable, intrinsic target steps people can take to be it till they see it. What do you have for us? This was hard for me because I have lots of ideas. And um, so I'm just going to go with one. So I'm a big fan of tapping emotional freedom technique. So uh, thankfully I had tapping in my pocket before my husband died. I already knew how to do it. And I knew how, and I had used it with my children when they were very little and they were 12 and nine when Hugo died. So um, they had used it for a number of years, but I love tapping because it creates calm in the nervous system and it allows us to let feelings flow through. It's great for grief grenades, right? Any sort of triggering situation where our nervous system is responding as though we are unsafe. So for me, the sound of metal crashing, CPR scenes, sirens, right? Things like that. Tapping helped me in the moment when my nervous system was just tripping out. And then it also helped me to work with someone who could help me go back and neutralize those triggers so that when I remembered them or encountered them in my environment, my nervous system stopped thinking I was in danger, right? So Mm -hmm. I am a big proponent of that. Um, you can just go to YouTube and learn all about tapping, right? You don't have to pay anyone to teach it to you. Do you, are you familiar with it? I am. I've heard about yeah. it. Like I, I read a book once, but like it is, um, I don't just, have like, a, as like, I don't have it memorized. We're just myself. tapping on acupressure points, right? right? So you're just tapping on acupressure points and you're acknowledging the truth. So you always start on the side of the hand and it's like, even though I feel so sad, it's okay for me to acknowledge the truth of how I feel right? Even though I feel so sad, it's okay for me to acknowledge the truth of how I feel. And so you start it three times and then you just tap on the points. Like so sad. I feel so sad. Whatever it is that you're trying to process, the tapping solution app is brilliant. I'm not affiliated with them, but I love their work. It's a great for beginners. So anybody can download that. I pay for it. I pay for my daughter to have it. And I mean, even before grief, it saved many a bedtime nightmare with my children when they were young, right? And they just couldn't calm themselves down. We would just tap with like, let it go, let it go. 
right? And then amygdala, oh, okay, I'm safe. Cortisol levels drop. You can just, you can literally feel your body relax. Yeah. It's fantastic. There's there's so much I love about tapping because um, one, like trauma and emotions leave the body through movement. So you're moving, you're just tapping. So you don't have to actually do a workout, y'all. You can just tap. Um, But also (laughs) you're acknowledging something and you're saying like, and that if you have a hard time, like feeling your feelings or like honoring what those feelings are, I think it's a really good practice. Um, Mm -hmm. I love that your kids are doing it. And so thank you for that. That's, I would love to know if anyone's listening to this, if you use tapping already, or if you um, end up using it and needing this, Krista, I am so grateful for you and for you sharing your story. Um, I hate that you went through what you went through, but I also I'm so grateful and I'm sure many people are because the work you're doing is helping all of us get better at, at understanding our grief and, and allowing us to live with it instead of trying to like remove it and finish it and shove it in a box. So thank you for being you y'all. How are you going to use these tips, what she told you in your life, please tag Krista, tag the be a pod, go listen to her podcast or share it with a friend, especially one who's going through something that might just be the thing that might be the best thing you can say is here's a link. (laughs) And until next time, be it till you see it. That's all I got for this episode of the be it till you see it podcast. One thing that would help both myself and future listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a review and follow or subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, make sure to introduce yourself over at the Be It Pod on Instagram. I would love to know more about you. Share this episode with whoever you think needs to hear it. Help us and others be it till you see it. Have an awesome day. Be It Till You See It is a production of the Bloom Podcast Network. It's written, filmed, and recorded by your host, Leslie Logan, and me, Brad Kroll. It is produced and edited by the Epic Team at Desenio. Our theme music is by Ali at Apex Production Music and our branding by designer and artist Gianfranco Chofi. Special thanks to Melissa Solomon for creating our visuals and Samena Velazquez for our transcriptions. Also to Angelina Herico for adding all the content to our website and finally to Meredith Crowell for keeping us all on point and on time. All right, my coffee lovers. I got something for you. And I know most of you are coffee lovers because if you're listening to this, you have lots of things you're doing and coffee is something that you are taking with you everywhere you go. In fact, I know the plies instructors around here are taking coffee, kombucha, tea, and water into every class that they take. So this one is amazing because this is Pure Cafe Bold. They have two options for you. They've got black coffee and then they've got a caramel coffee latte, which is amazing. And here's why it's amazing. It's pre-brewed. So it comes in this amazing little packet and you can actually just take the packet into your office, your work on a plane like we've been doing. And then you pour hot water in and boom, you've got coffee. And this coffee actually has some amazing stuff. It's not just regular coffee. This coffee supports your immune system. It boosts cognitive function, increases stamina, it reduces stress, and it has cordyceps. And what are cordyceps, you ask? Oh, that's right, Brad's here. Nature's powerful secret energizer, a rare species of fungi, cordyceps is renowned for its invigorating properties and centuries old use in traditional medicine packed with essential nutrients. This natural adaptogen boosts stamina and supports overall well-being. And seriously, it's actually super simple to make. Leslie and I have taken it camping. Yeah. I'll use it in the afternoon. We're taking it everywhere because I'm tired of conferences and different hotels having burnt coffee. It's a thousand times better than the terrible coffee that you get on an airplane. And the black coffee is like 
less than a dollar a packet. So it's like, it's really kind of amazing. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a big fan of the caramel myself. He the does caramel like has it. a little bit of, uh, of milk in it. So. It has some dairy, so my dairy-free peeps, you, you can't do the caramel, but you can do the black, right? Yeah, the black coffee is vegan, keto, gluten-free, non-GMO, nut-free, dairy-free, fat-free, and CGMP compliant. All right, so here's the deal. You need to go to beitpod.com slash coffee. B-E-I-T-P-O-D dot com slash coffee. And when you do that, you are going to be able to get some amazing coffee that we're loving. You can buy it as a one-time purchase or you can actually get it as a subscription. There's even family packs. So if you know that you've got a lot of coffee drinkers in your household, this is amazing. And it's honestly cheaper than all the coffees we've been making at home. So we are so excited. I hope you are. Go to beatpod.com slash coffee. And, you know, cheers to you and I. Every morning, we'll be drinking the same coffee together. Woo!